Welcome to Take Note. This is a podcast about paying attention and keeping a notebook. I am Adam. I have my friend Ted here on the line. Hi, Ted. How are you? Hello, Adam. I'm I'm pretty good. I got a I got eight eight feet of snow, eight inches of snow today. How, how about you? No snow. A uh, friend of mine asked me on text, "How you doing?" I said, "Eh, fine." And he said, "Fine, like." What and I said, oh, you know, fine, like crappy, but probably crappy, like everybody crappy. So that's the new fine, I guess. Got it. But I'm, I'm excited about your snow. Thanks for the, the pick. Yeah, it was. I, I turned up the brightness on it to make it look even more dramatic. But that's <laughs> that's what we do on the show. We turn up the brightness on what we've written in our notebook this week. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to ask you, Ted. Uh, what do you got? What did you write in your notebook? I got a bunch of short ones. Um, Let's see. Pedestrian stopped short in front of a Nero self-driven car. was a note that I wrote to myself. I was driving around town a few weeks ago, and I was at an intersection, uh, and catty corner to where I was stopped at the red light, a pedestrian started to cross the street, in the crosswalk perfectly uh, normal human activity and a self-driving car that that they wander around there's a there's a person sitting in the driver's seat they're they're testing them or i guess it's been going on for years but uh presumably they are driving themselves in order to test it and the uh the pedestrian stepped out in front of it and the thing was sort of coming to a stop at the intersection and it's very visibly a self-driven, self-driving car. And in that moment, when the pedestrian, it's like I looked over, the pedestrian saw the car, sort of jolted back, the car like jerked to a stop. It was a real, I, I, I felt like I, I was sort of trapped in the between the past and the future. And <laughs> something terrible was going to happen. It was like a scene from a movie unfolding in front of my eyes. I just realized I was not ready for the uh, for the self-driving future yet. The car said, "Perfectly normal human activity." <laughs> what do you What do you got, Adam? Uh, I wrote here, walking to the coffee shop, absolutely freezing out. Man walks past me with his jacket half open, white T-shirt underneath, with a huge Kirkland signature logo on it. So, <laughs> the. This wasn't a Kirkland signature T-shirt, although it may have been. It was a T-shirt with a giant Kirkland signature logo on it. Is that clever, or is it like is that a gag yeah. gift he got? Wouldn't that be like uh, if a logo ends up on one of those things? It's that's like an error, right? But this somebody, was somebody screwed up. <laughs> yes, exactly. But this was a huge. This was huge. Yeah, that's good. Is it like I, a? I don't know if brilliant gag gift maybe. I give yeah, I give some I give some credit to that. Yeah. That it's bold. like I think this is from whenever Normcore was a thing. That's yeah. my theory. Yeah. Yeah. I want one, I maybe, think. Maybe that was the final piece of Normcore. <laughs> that, that broke Normcore? That was it. <laughs> broke it. Could I get one? I mean, I could get one of these shirts. I've looked it up. They don't it's not like Kirkland sells them, but there's no, people that hundred dollars. No, no, they're like twenty bucks, but you bet it from like uh, Zazzle or whatever. Not Zazzle. Uh, but but what if I saw this guy again? Would he love that? You know, because I, I walk to this coffee shop every day. 
except today because it snowed and I honestly I'm going through an existential crisis because I didn't take my walk today um but if I walk past this guy again and I'm wearing his shirt is that yeah. is that a good move or is that is that horrible doesn't I think that would just make it more norm hmm. yeah I would make it more norm norm all right what do you got um so my daughter was sitting on one of our Ikea chairs, these uh, big plastic outdoor chairs. Okay. Kind of molded plastic. Very comfortable. Full endorsement. Uh, but she kept, she, she, it was almost as though she had discovered static electricity for the first time. And she kept, <laughs> she kept trying to, you know, rub her arms on, the, on this plastic chair and then shock me. Um, and I said, stop, just sit still, don't move. And she said, oh, so you want me to be static? <laughs> and I was like, I think... I, it was one of those uh, mission-accomplished feelings you have as a parent. What do you got? All right. I wanted to uh, just talk about the nature of dreams for a bit. Uh-huh. Um, sure. the, the other night I dreamt I was in a restaurant and I ordered the um, wet and gushy noodles and oh. in the dream, the kitchen took forever, and they kept getting the noodles wrong. They were neither wet nor gushy. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that was my dream the other night. Ted, you know the song uh, WAP, right? Oh, yeah. And the clean version of that song replaces the actual meaning of WAP with the phrase wet and gushy. Oh, God. Do you do you I agree? Do, uh, do I? Yeah. Oh, I cannot disagree. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. I had listened to a podcast where they briefly discussed the clean version of the song, a full four days before I had this dream. And I did not think about those words or that song in the intervening days. So, you know, why am I dreaming about wet and gushy noodles? That's my point. The nature of dreams, Ted. Oh, man. Disturbing yeah. no matter no matter what order they, those yeah. events occur in. It's unsettling. Yeah. One last thing. I, uh, I uh, tweeted about the dream, expected it to be a real viral hit. You know, it was like a feel-good tweet, and I got nothing. So uh, the same day I got a robocall, I hit one to speak to an operator, and I, I read the tweet to that guy. He hung up on me. Because, <laughs> I mean, everybody, nothing people love more than hearing other people's dreams. Is <laughs> right. that right? Right, well, yeah, that's why I've uh, dedicated a solid minute to it on this podcast. What do you got, Ted? Um... <clears throat> I, so in, in 2010, I wrote a baseball blog. I, I was living in Seattle at the time, and I was very excited about the baseball player Ichiro Suzuki that I got to watch him play on TV and sometimes in person. Um, and I was I had converted myself into a Mariners fan, so I, I blogged about it. And uh, I, I always have liked that blog, so I wanted to go through and copy-paste some of the notes about Ichiro into, like, a long document and turn it into some kind of, you know, artifact that, that lives on beyond the, the dead WordPress that's still there. Uh, and so as I was going through these posts, um, uh, found a post from April 11th, 2010, and there was a comment on the blog post. I thought, oh, I forgot about this. Somebody engaged with my content here. So the comment read, uh, and I quote here, I don't mean to pick nits, as this was a great <laughs> post, but the hoi polloi means the, the many. 
unquote. That's fantastic. Captured, captured in the, I'm sure it's on the internetarchive.org somewhere. Uh, this, uh, this comment will live on in the, the annals of digital history and archaeology. <laughs> I, right. I, when that person, um, when that person left that comment, they, uh, they weren't thinking about the fact that in, um, 10 years, 11 years yeah. time, you were going to be, yeah. That's interesting, I, though. I mean, that comment definitely did not anticipate the Trump presidency <laughs> uh, or, the, or the pandemic or the insurgency. Was just, all that stuff was just a glimmer in the eye of that, of that can innocent you, comment. Can you click through that commenter and see what they're up to now? Probably. Could you sub-comment? Could you respond now, 10, 11 years later? Now you're talking. Yeah. Sorry about right this. Back. Yeah. Be right back. One thousand apologies. Uh, hoy, hoy apologies. Hoy. Oh, that means that means the the apologies. <laughs> Ahoy hoy. All right, let's get into some shop talk, shall we? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about starter fountain pens. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I met with a a delightful colleague of mine uh, today for coffee. In fact, we had a nice outdoor coffee. Uh, on the Rice University campus. Shout out to Lynn. Great to see you. Uh, and she asked me uh, what some good starter fountain pens are. And instead of wasting her valuable time doing so in person, uh, I agreed to uh, give her some info at a later time. And I thought, well, why not do it right now? So she um, said to you, Ted, she said, let me know a couple of uh, good starter pens. You post a stationary podcast, and you said, no, I'll get back to you. Is that about how it went? That's about how it went. Okay. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, Let's do I'll it. Shoot you, I'll shoot you some links is probably what I said. Something okay. Like that. Well, that's better. Um, I, I, don't, I don't always respond to people via podcast. <laughs> it's the it's only way I respond to people. <laughs> Uh, and the other the other thing she said is for left-handers, and I, I assured her I was hardly the resource, uh, but that there were, in fact, those who have explored the topic of fountain pen inks, quick-drying inks, for example, for left-handers. Oh, huh, okay. So, um, you know, getting into that starter fountain pen question, um, I think it all starts with the Pilot Metropolitan. Okay. Uh, Mostly because it's the cheapest, um, I would say, the cheapest sort of non-disposable fountain pen that's going to actually be something you keep around for a long time. Pilot's obviously a well-known company. I think a lot of people who haven't delved into fountain pens yet uh, don't realize that it's a it's also a fountain pen company, not just one of the better-known office kind of office pen companies. Yeah. And uh, and the Metropolitan is you know fifteen something dollars, and it's uh, it's metal, and they come in a lot of different colors, and they're a perfectly nice fountain pen. You can you can use the cartridges with them, or you can get a little refillable. Um, kind of it's a, not not a great um, doesn't function fantastically, but it's a little rubber kind of bladder. A little, I said a little rubber bladder that you can squeeze <laughs> some ink into if you want to use a bottle of ink. 
Um, but that's where I would start. I think that's where I started three, four, five years ago. Um, I, you know, get I've... you into the groove of using a fountain pen. It's not a huge investment. You can see if you like it. You can get different size nibs to see which size nib you prefer. Is it like replacement nibs? So I've never used that. Or is it you just like, I don't know, the fountain pens that I'm thinking of, you typically would just buy them in the nib the nib size that you want, right? I think, yeah. I mean, you know, if you, if you are someone who likes a big broad line, you could infer that you might want a medium nib uh, or a broad nib. If you're someone who likes a thin line, the, the, the fine on a Pilot Metropolitan is quite fine. Um, so you could... Yeah, yeah, and it, it you know it, they're inexpensive enough that you could buy a couple in different sizes. I wouldn't, I haven't messed with actually changing nibs very much. Yeah, not either. But um, no, but you you would probably just buy a couple, see and see what you like. That's a great way to test um, what kind of fountain pen nib you like too, because um, they're they're perfectly well functioning a Pilot Metropolitan. So that's my real starting point. Um, Mine is. Uh... You know, uh, the Lamy Safari, I mm-hmm. that's what I tend to give as gifts for folks that I think might want a pen. Um, then we've got, I don't know, I think we've got like three Lamy Safaris just floating around our house. Um, and I think the next kind of step up when you're getting into fountain pens, like the kind of the game changer is, you know, taking the cartridge, not using the cartridge, and instead um, getting a converter and mm-hmm. starting to use a few different inks. I think that, like, that's when it turns it into something uh, a little more than just, like, a pen that you can make a mess with. You know, like, that's when you start to appreciate what it is about a fountain mm-hmm. pen a little more, in my opinion. And the the Lamy's, they write really well. Um, I You know, it's funny. I, I, I like my Lamy's Safari quite a bit, and you can get them in all kinds of colors. Um, it's a little lightweight for my taste. Um, and that, you know, that's what I like about the Metropolitan is that even though it's inexpensive, it's still got a little bit of weight to it. And I think, you know, a little weight is what I really enjoy about a, a fountain pen. Cause you, you can, it feels more substantial than a ballpoint. Um, and the Lamy doesn't always scratch that itch for me. I think it functions really well. Um, but it, it's, it feels like lightweight plastic okay um which i just doesn't always scratch my itch and i think you know if someone was interested in the experience of a fountain pen um in terms of the way they write it's a it's a good starting point but i'm not sure if it's a great place to start with the general you know experience of a fountain pen Okay, that's sure an... many disagree, and they are much beloved. So I, I, I could be in the minority on this. I, I bet you're not. But I, I think. What else would you recommend as far as like a heavier pen then? Yeah, so I think the next, and it is a slight step up from Alami, but the Twisby um, Fountain Pen Company, which is actually T W S B I. Don't do not ask me what that stands for. That's what Google's for. Um, I believe it's a Korean company, but they make. A pen called the Eco, and they make a number of other models that many more people know more about than I do. I mean, you're getting, I think, in the forty forty five dollar range, but those those are they're still plastic, but they're this they're this heavier kind of more substantial um, sort of 
thicker feel that you start to really that's when you're really getting into that realm of a of a writing experience that that feels elevated it's it's heavier it's they're bigger and they have yeah. big caps big caps that kind of screw on and off so it's a real you know it, it's a good gateway into the sort of ritual of the fountain pen and they have fantastic converters built in already yeah so you really you can just you know it's a little screw cap on the end and you can just suck up a gallon of ink from from your favorite ink pot um so i think the pilot and the lamy will really get you going and then once you kick it up to a twisby and the, um that's when you're really kind of entering a little bit more rarefied air those are it looks to me like those are only like 30 bucks one of the okay. neat things about that so we have one of those in my house it's my wife's i haven't used it very often uh but i really liked that it was a clear pen i think that's mm -hmm. like a just a neat if you're getting into fountain pens or i i thought it was a good i recommended it to someone as like a someone who's looking for a graduation gift i thought perfect you know the, yep. the clear pen kind of thing and yep. um i liked it so much i did i bought a the clear Lamy, the Lamy Vista, because I wanted a clear oh, pen cool. too. And I think maybe what I lost in that, I don't, you know, I only use my wife's once or twice, is probably the the weight. You know, I, that's probably something special about it that I just subbed it out for another Lamy without thinking about the weight of it. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll maybe I'll. I mean, tw her tw Twisby. Twisby pens are are great, and they have some that you can you can kind of go up the chain of of niceness too if you want to. I've had the Eco for a while. It's it's even a little big sometimes for me, and the, I get a little tired of unscrewing the cap. Um, mm -hmm. But it, it overall, the quality's been fantastic, and it's a, it's fun to use. So, yeah. um, the other kind of general starter fountain pen I wanted to mention is Caveco, and that's spelled K-A-W-E-C-O. Uh, typically, there, there's some different models, but they're they're called the Sport, and that's actually a very portable fountain pen. I know we've touched on it um, over the years on the podcast, but it's it's one where, you know, it's maybe when it's all capped up, it's three quarters or half the length of of a normal fountain pen, and so you can really toss it in your pocket, and it's kind of meant to be jostled around. Um, and they make them in all kinds of different materials and colors, um, but that's kind of a more sporty fun, and I and it's you know you uncap it and then you the cap itself kind of becomes the pen body mm -hmm. and those are those are fun and i think they're you know they're very tempting for a a, a burgeoning fountain pen user because they because they're so fun but to be honest with you it's not i would wait you know to me that's a great like third fountain pen yeah i so i got a Koiko Kaveco many years ago really really liked it but um then you know i got another one about a year ago uh, as a gift and the nib was all screwed up so um I, lo I looked it up and i guess it's it's fairly common for these kavecos to have nib issues and so that would be my one thing um you know just if you're new to fountain pens it might be a kind of disappointing introduction if that were to happen of course i mean it's not all of them by any means my wife just got another one actually she got yeah. a uh she yep. got a caveco like it's a sport coconut but i think it's a ballpoint actually 
that she just got. I, you know, I like the size. I like the weight. I do think also it's, um, it is kind of a small pen too. Ah, so interesting. it's a little less than you remember, I think. And I think they're only, they, they're like 25 yep. to $30 and it's really cool. And if it's, if it works for you, I think you're going to be a fountain pen lover. You know, that's, it's a great introduction to well, it. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, it's worth saying that between the Pilot, the Lamy, and the Twisbees, those are, they're known for their well-performing nibs in those categories. So I think you're, mm-hmm. I think you're right to suggest that if you were just starting out with fountain pens and a, and a Kaveco came up scratchy, you know, that could totally kill your momentum. Yeah. Um, but yeah. their their form factor and no, they're very cool. Um, yeah. I, w- one day, uh, I'll probably get like a brass Caveco that's real heavy and feels very substantial. Honestly, the plastic ones are just again they're like way too light for my taste, and I ended up losing mine, which is you know the small the plate of the smaller pen. Um, so there you go, Lynn. Um, I'll send you an email too on the off chance that you didn't listen to this episode. <laughs> and uh, you know we should also mention lynn should also go to uh pen addict and on the top of the page click on top five pens and he's got his brad's got his top five pens like in every single category and it's a great resource um and before we talked about this we tried to make a point to uh to not look at that before we talked about it because otherwise oh, we'd just be this is top of the head re- man re- reading the top pen addict the on head. our blog which, I, on our podcast there were so many times when i was in, early in my elevated pen game journey when i just stood in the aisles of staples once again refreshing the top five pens <laughs> trying to match it up with what brad dowdy has locked in on the pen addict and uh you know i just mentioned that Kvaco sport of my wife's so that reminds me i uh i posted on the blog about what i'm using what's on my desk this month and um I shared the first entry in my things I borrowed from my wife category, that Kaveco Sport pen. Um, check it out on our blog. I talk a little bit about the Carondash Swisswood pencil that I've been sticking with. Um, my Baron Fig is a erasable Baron Fig. Still using the uh, standard memorandum, so I've made it uh, 25, 26 days into the year, and I haven't bailed on that nice. one yet. And I am on my second in a row of these snowy evening field notes. Ah, very good. Um, yeah, so I shared a few thoughts there, and um, we're going to try to make that a regular thing. Although, you know, there's a pretty good chance that there's a January 2021 entry and then not another one until the <laughs> summer or something. Uh, but I talk about the books I've been reading and uh, uh, some music I've been listening to as well. So, I, you know, a little while ago, I uh, read... Jeff Tweedy's book, How to Write One Song. Uh, we all read it, in fact. Delightful uh, book about creativity, uh, which these, the spirit of which has stayed with me. Um, I, I just love his, his uh, passion and advocacy for creativity. And uh, particularly in these times, I think it's so important to lose yourself in something creative. So the book is called How to Write One Song, and I wrote one song. Um, nice. And it was cool. Like, actually, you know, from a stationary standpoint, I did something kind of weird. I, 
I was cleaning out my garage maybe three, four weeks ago, and there, I just had some little stash of tracing paper from days gone by uh, making uh, postcards or doing little kind of arty things and, and tracing this and that and cutting them out and whatever. So I just, I was like, oh, tracing paper, interesting. And, you know, I think we, we've talked on previous episodes about kind of just wanting some like slapdash paper, larger format, you know, just scribbling notes down, not really even trying to get it into a pocket notebook, just getting long form and trying to get into that creative mode. And this tracing paper, which I'm now holding, and sounds very crinkly and parchmenty. I just started, you know, scratching out some some poetry, some, you know, kind of just forming some word sounds that sounded good, really, really playing off uh, Tweety's, Tweety, it's just his, his free-flowing encouragement to just see how words sound and move words around and, and just see where it takes you. Um, and, you know, picked up my guitar that I keep next to my desk and just start to really form a song, which is, it's, you know, I sing lots of songs, but they're other people's songs and they're just for fun and for myself and whatever. And, um, to actually, you know, make a chord progression and then put your own words to that chord progression and really see, you know, this was over kind of recorded one little thing one day and then, you know, iterate on it the next day and do a little this and that with it. And it, you know, it, it was really, really an interesting and rewarding process. You, you said that you, there were a few different iterations of it and I'm wondering, were there, were there different takes? Did it change? I mean, did you record it a few times? Yeah, yeah, like I, you know, I, 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 I just honestly pretended like I was a songwriter and, you know, uh, did a little trilling on the guitar and then like recorded it on the guitar on, on voice memo and kind of said out loud the chords, um, you know, and then it wrote like one stanza and then like, you know, two, three, four days later wrote another stanza and kind of s saw how it felt together and, you know, slowed down the, the, the style of singing and the chord changes a little bit and sped them up and just tried little mess mess with little differences and recorded i probably actually recorded it you know maybe four or five different times and just you yeah. know added another lyric and then recorded it again i mean it takes in this day and age it takes no effort to just record yourself doing a song and you know i think one thing about making a song and this can absolutely apply i think to writing and many other things is that you know it feels narcissistic to record it for no particular reason but listening to yourself play a song is a very for someone you know i'm a novice and i have no aspirations but to hear myself singing a song was quite interesting you know singing it earnestly and really putting some effort into it just to hear how you know, how you play a certain chord sounds or, or how you sing a note uh, and just, just hearing that was really, and I almost think of it, it reminds me of that writing advice to read your own writing out loud and mm -hmm. see what it sounds like then. It's kind of, it's that same sort of thing, like taking something that you've created and giving yourself a chance to 
see it in a different light just to see what you did see see how what you did came to exist outside of your own brain the reason i stopped on the idea of you having recorded a few times and having a few different drafts on it is because i was thinking about myself and um i just read this toward the new george saunders book which is uh, swim in a pond in the rain which is his class on russian short stories and it is a book on how to read and how to write and there's seven classic Russian short stories in there and then long essays between them that are adapted from the class he's taught over the years and uh, it's actually like quite a moving book for me and one of the things that he says which I don't think is revolutionary writing advice but the in the context that he puts it in means a lot is that you know you write the story and gosh I had written it down here but um who cares if the first draft is good? It just needs to be so you can revise it, which is not a revolutionary idea. But again, in the contents of the context of the book, I mean, he says that there are stories of his that he will take a pass at, and he's very slowly revised for, like, I mean, I think he says seven or eight years. There have been stories that he's mm. revised until they've gotten to be the way that he liked them, and. Um, there's there's quite a bit in this book that's really practical and useful and it's and I've started writing a story based on it but um the one one part really like stopped me in my tracks um he wrote and I, I think it was somewhere right around that same section because I, I filled my notebook with quotes I filled a couple notebooks well uh, with quotes from this book and he wrote um, you don't need an idea to start a story you just need a sentence which is like a great thing to say. But again, in the context of everything he says, he really explains what he means. And I have really been dejected over just feeling like I do not have ideas anymore. And so to read him write that and to have read the context and to really understand what he means was actually like quite a moving, um, it was quite a moving moment for me. And you know, one of the things he talks about is just um, you need one, what he's saying is you need one sentence and you need to be specific mm. and your speci- your specificity allows you to then um, create change in the next sentence. So if, if you're specific, then you can create a change. And when there's a change, that's um, a rising action. And I'm, I'm conflating a lot of what he's written here, but um, you know, he, it, it's a great, it is a, Look, it is a great class in writing, and there are a lot of really specific things that he says in that book to back up these kind of grand statements of you don't need an idea for a story, you just need a sentence. It's like everything you read, for the most part, is at the end of that process. And it's so hard to to know or to feel like you can start that process. You know, it's, it's... Everything we revere is the end result, and then we ex- we have the aspiration to conjure that. And but you start at the very beginning. You don't get anywhere near the end result um, until much later, after much work. And I think that's what people respond to in this podcast: is that there's really nothing about this podcast that makes people feel like it's the end result. You know, you hear this podcast, and it's. You think I could do that? <laughs> let's do. Let's do. Let's you and I do this again next week, Adam. What do you say? Sounds great, buddy. Check us out on the internet at takenote.space. Find Adam's 
lovely pictures and words over there on his latest blog, uh, blog post. And uh, drop us a line if you had thoughts. Uh, some of your favorite starter fountain pens, perhaps. Maybe a dream you've had recently. Um, <laughs> check us out on Twitter. If you've written any WAP parodies, we'd like to see the lyrics. <laughs> don't Really don't want to see those. Um, we are on Twitter at twitter.com slash take note pod. Take care. Making mental maps of yesterday's places. Retracing the tracks of forgettable faces. Rose in sweet repose The wind and the trees Suggesting snow I'll be thinking about Right now This time tomorrow tribe has spoken Winning the game is a game we're all gonna lose The scoreboard is gone, all that's left is the bruise If I just keep on playing then I don't have to choose between me and you The new interstate is stranded Seems alright in a different life A nice place to land after so much flight Or it would be